Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. People have asked me why it is I do what I do, how I got into doing this. They wonder why I'm obsessed with the afterlife, being so focused on death and life after death. Well, I shared this with you with the hopes that it might inspire you and help you understand me a little bit better. I really can't tell the story without starting at the very beginning. So let me get started. I was raised in a fundamentalist church. Now, when I say fundamentalist, the viewpoint of God was that we were born in original sin, that we were deserving of eternal punishment, and that we could only be saved through the shedding of Jesus' blood and our acceptance of the shedding of that blood. That scarred me deeply because it didn't make sense to me, and I couldn't worship a God who would condemn me or anyone else to eternal torment for being just who he made us to be. This traumatized me because what I did was I pretended to love God, but I knew that he knew my heart. I did all the right things. I got baptized. I received the Holy Spirit. I spoke in tongues, but I knew I was just pretending. And even worse, I knew that God knew that I was just pretending. Now, As I got older, I began questioning whether or not this view of God was true. I wanted to reject it. It didn't make sense to me, and it made me feel very bad about myself and about God. Rejecting it felt very reasonable to me. But if there was no God, then my fate would be annihilation. While annihilation is preferable to eternal torment, it wasn't exactly appealing. I was faced with an impossible choice of which to believe, that there was this God who was going to judge me and who I couldn't please, Or when I died, I would blink out like a light bulb. The fear was so extreme that I had panic attacks on a regular basis. I would call it thanatophobia, the irrational fear of death that obsessed me. I lived with this dilemma for several years until I discovered Christian universalism. Christian universalism is the belief that Jesus' death, his sacrifice, was applied to everyone. And this is indicated in many places in the Bible, I think, if if you read the Bible, at least from the Christian Universalist perspective. Now, that made more sense to me. If Jesus' sacrifice was applied to everyone, at least God wasn't doing a double jeopardy thing where Jesus paid the price for everyone, but God was only applying it to a few people. If I pay your debt to a third party, then you don't owe that debt anymore, whether I accept it or not. But it still didn't make sense to me that God couldn't just forgive sin or God couldn't just forgive us. God was always telling us in the Bible to forgive each other. Jesus was telling us to forgive each other. Jesus said up to 70 times 7. The Bible is full of these ideas that we should forgive each other. And to forgive something is not to demand payment. If someone pays you something, you haven't forgiven them anything. 
So this was a better choice to me, this Christian universalism. Uh, it was brought to me, really came home to me in a book called The Inescapable Love of God by a, a gentleman named Thomas Talbot. I've read that book several times. It lays out a very compelling case that God not only loves all of us and wants to save all of us, but God gets what God wants. There are a couple of basic schools of Christian thought that don't believe this. One is that God loves everyone and wants to save everyone, but can't because of free will, that he respects our free will so much that he can't save everybody. The other school is that God doesn't particularly love everybody. There are just the, quote, elect, and the rest of us are basically rejects or rejects or throwaways, and that God doesn't want to save everyone, but he could, but he does save the ones he wanted to. So these are the other schools of Christian thought. So Christian universalism was very appealing to me. This was the first time I saw a God that I could really get behind who wanted to save everyone and would save everyone. And as I started going down the path of discovering more liberal theologians like Marcus Borg and others, the light was turning up brighter for me. But it still didn't make sense to me that God would have condemned us in the first place, but at least this was better that he found a way to to get around that. So later, as I kept doing more and more studies, I discovered a lot of other ways of looking at things. I started studying other religions. So I studied um, Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism, Taoism, uh, Kabbalah, um, and, and a lot more. And as I studied other religions, I saw they had so much in common, so much of what they taught overlapped. And we tend to focus on the differences. But what they had in common, I felt like that's kind of where the truth lied. And then they also, amazingly enough, aligned with the teachings of Jesus. And I've always respected the teachings of Jesus. I still do until this day. So I became a bit more comforted that there was a greater truth out there. And I accepted that the afterlife was real based upon my studies of these religions, but also on reason, I think it just makes reasonable sense, on science, like recent scientific discoveries particularly, philosophy, etc. So I became fully convinced of the reality that we all survive bodily death and that none of us is cast into eternal punishment. And again, this conclusion was based on years of study, and that became the foundation for my life. And finally, I was comfortable with who I was and why I was here and where I was going. But then fast forward to June 24th of 2015. That was the day that my life ended in a very real sense. That was the day my 15-year-old daughter, Shana Elaine, suddenly passed away. It was completely unexpected. On June 23rd, my life was normal. By June 25th, it would never be normal again. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't imagine living another day, let alone the decades everyone told me I would have to endure walking this earth. I would say, no, you don't understand. I don't want to be here. Now, someone who loses a spouse is called a widow or a widower. A child who loses a parent is called an orphan. Losing a child is so horrific, there's no word for it in our language for the parent that's lost that child. It's something that we don't even like to think might happen. When a parent loses a child, you want to know where your child is. You want to know that your child is okay. And really, you want to be with your child especially if that child is a minor like my daughter was. But you know you have to be here. You have to be here on this earth and continue your life. But all I wanted to do was be with my daughter again. 
Now, I wasn't suicidal, um, but I had no desire to live. Every morning, I would wake up wishing that this was all a dream. I would wake up feeling like this world was actually a nightmare. And then reality would strike me again every single morning. And I'd have this, this reaction in my stomach and my gut where it was like someone had punched me. It would literally take my breath away. At that time, I couldn't even imagine the transformation that I would take, I would make over the next seven, seven and a half years at this point. I knew that I would never be the person I was before her death, but I didn't even want to heal. I thought the best tribute that I could give to my daughter was to have people say, he was never the same again because I lived such a miserable life and never had any joy in my life. And I intended to live a life of misery for however long I was going to be here. But I realized that I couldn't continue this, and I thought I should seek counseling. So I did. I went to a traditional grief counselor a few times, and my wife and I actually went to a group counseling session a couple of times. And I remember one in particular. This was seven years ago, over seven years ago at this point, but I remember it like it was yesterday. There was a woman in the meeting whose daughter had passed away, I think about a decade earlier. And this woman was so bitter. She was so angry, so difficult just to be around like it just happened the day before, I knew when I walked out of that meeting, I did not want to be that person. If I was going to stay on this planet, which I guess I was decided I was going to do, I knew that I could not continue on the path I was on. I was forced into healing. I had no choice. The option of being with my daughter wasn't available with me. I couldn't go be with Shana right now. My wife and my other daughter needed for me to be here. Being miserable wasn't an option either. Because I didn't want to do that to my wife or my daughter or my other daughter or anyone else around me. The only option remaining was to heal. And to heal, I had to grow. So staying the same was not an option. So back to the books. I poured myself into learning everything I could about life, the purpose of life, where we come from, and where we go after we die. Again, I studied philosophy. I studied metaphysical schools of thought. I looked at cutting-edge science, including what I could understand of quantum physics or quantum mechanics. Um, I looked at mediumship. I looked at near-death experiences, after-death communications. Some of the studies I had started earlier before Shana passed, and I mentioned I was pretty convinced of the afterlife even before Shana passed away. But I had a pretty good understanding when she passed, nothing like I have now, seven and a half years after really doubling down on on my studies. Now, relatively soon after Shana passed, another thing I did besides going to traditional grief counseling was I joined an organization called Helping Parents Heal. And I was a member uh, first, and I was a volunteer, group leader, and actually I'm still at Helping Parents Heal to this day, and I'm, I'm a board leader with Helping Parents Heal. I've found that Helping Parents Heal and other peer-to-peer organizations can be extremely helpful to people in grief. Peer-to-peer groups have helped me tremendously, and I'm still in several groups. Uh, Many of my clients have actually found me through some of these groups. They became clients when they realized they wanted something more than just a peer-to-peer group. They wanted someone who was dedicated to their healing, someone who could listen to them uh, and they wouldn't feel selfish for pouring their guts out, someone who wouldn't find what they were saying strange, and someone who could offer a tried and true way of moving forward quickly. So as a volunteer with Helping Parents Heal, going back to the early days, 
I spoke with hundreds of parents who have lost children. Uh, running the meetings and and bringing in guests and these conversations, I learned what it takes to to integrate grief into your life. I met dozens of experts in grief and afterlife, and I met near death experiences, people who have overcome all kinds of tragedies. Uh, this was a crash course and everything I needed to start grief to growth, which I started in 2019. Once I was on my way to healing, I became a certified life coach and I became a grief educator. And I continue to add to my tool set that I use with my clients. I'm also a mental fitness trainer. I teach a, a method of thinking called positive intelligence. And that adds on to the other things I teach. And that helps us to cement in these ideas. Because as we start to grasp these new ideas, we have these internal voices called saboteurs who will tell us that they're, they're not true. That's too good to be true. You know, this can't possibly be. And we all have these internal things that we wrestle with. So positive intelligence helps us deal with that. So that's another thing I fold into what I do. So what I've done is I've developed a methodology. It's a proprietary methodology that I call the grief to growth blueprint. I'll give you a couple of examples. I, I'm already talked about I folded some principles of positive intelligence in there. I've also studied near-death experiences extremely extensively at this point. And there are four lessons from your death experience that I think are really key. One is learning to live with purpose. The other is trusting fully. A third is loving unconditionally. And a fourth is forgiving fully. So these are some things that, that I roll into what I teach. I've also developed a four-step daily practice to build resilience. These are four things that I do every day. I have an acronym I use for them. Uh, the acronym is GEMS. And it's gratitude, exercise, and sleep, meditation, mindfulness, and self-care. So these are a couple of the principles that I roll into the program that I do with people. Uh, I was speaking with a client one day. Her son had passed away a few years before. I think we'd been working together for about a year at that time. And I asked her how she was doing because the holidays were coming up. And his birthday was right around the holidays. I think his birthday had actually just passed. And she told me everything she was doing to honor her son, to bring the community together, and to make meaning of her time. And as she told me how she created new rituals for the family for Christmas and the plans she had for the day of her, his birthday, the plans to be proactive and to go out and actually celebrate, I realized that she was doing gems, which I had talked with her before, and this is before I had formalized it, and other things that we had worked on together. And I realized that we, we had kind of come up, she and, and myself and other clients I work with, this thing that I put into a blueprint that I use now. So today I am a public speaker. I'm a podcast host. Uh, I'm an author. I've spoken to several conferences. Uh, I do interviews with people or, on people's podcasts, etc. I was running a business my wife and I had for 20 plus years. Uh, I'm shutting that business down, transitioning into grief to growth full time. Uh, I don't like to call it a business, though. It's more of a ministry. It's more of a service. I feel like this is my life's purpose to help people to transition from grief to growth. Now, I don't believe it's enough to return to who we were. In fact, I think it's impossible. We will never be the same person we were. And I hope that's not bad news to anyone. Because we, I'd say, why waste this pain? Why waste the pain that we've, we've gone through? Um, I, I, there's a, an old show called The Bionic Man or The Six Million Dollar Man. And in that show, this, this man, uh, Lee Majors, the, the actor who played the, the character, but his character was injured. And he lost a leg, an arm, and I think in an eye. And they talk about how we can build him back better, faster, stronger. Um, I say we can come back better from our grief event, whatever it is. You can come back more resilient, 
with more purpose in life, actually with more joy, believe it or not, better able to forgive. You can do it. You can grow from what's happened to you. I can say confidently, seven and a half years after my daughter passed away, that I not only survived, but I have actually thrived during that time. So that's my story. I hope you find it interesting. Uh, If you have any questions, please let me know. I'd love to answer them for you. Have a great day. Hey there, if you liked this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.